This week's VBS theme was submerged. Submerged. And the tagline is finding truth below the surface. Finding truth below the surface. Just digging deep into God's word. And we started a series in Habakkuk last week. We'll continue that series next week. So we're going to take a, a vacation, a one-week vacation from Habakkuk, and we'll join back up with him next week uh, so we can go a little deeper with what our vacationers learned this week. The theme verse was, was found in Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. Let me read that for you real quick. Psalm 139, verse 23. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Think of that. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Are you asking that on a daily basis, on a consistent basis? Search me, God. Test me. Please. I want to be refined. I want to, I want to serve you in a better way, in a, in a more honoring way. I know that I got a lot of stuff going on, but will you work on my heart? Check my thoughts. Dig into there. Through the week, students learned ab about three different stories uh, from Josh. Josh taught our, our Bible lesson um, just in the room next to us where we're going to enjoy some cookies after this, and you'll enjoy the, the design and the layout of of that room, and he, he taught three primary uh, stories from the Bible. First, we learned about a woman at a well. We learned about a woman at a well, and it was found in John chapter 4, and, and the, this, this woman went to the well, and you know, when I'm in Ethiopia, you see all of these women carrying these yellow jugs. They carry these yellow jugs, and some of them will will put it on their head. You can tell they, have, they must have a large amount of water in it. Uh, you, you rarely see uh, a, an adult man carrying the water. It's almost exclusively children and many times, most times, women. You'll see, you'll see some of the men gathering empty containers and taking it home, but then the women go to somewhere and fill up that water. In the town where, where Jacob grew up, that was just one, lo one location where water would, would come dripping into this, we'll call it a pond, and, and these people would fill up these yellow jugs. I don't know what they were, if they were five-gallon in, in U.S. measurements, and they'd fill up these jugs. In that same river, people are taking a or same pond, people are taking a bath. In that same pond, people are washing their clothes. I don't even know where the water's coming from originally. But they'll fill that up, and then they'll walk back a mile, two miles, whatever it is to their places. Well, in John chapter 4, we have a, a young lady. She's a Samaritan. And, and, and she's going to get water. She has some 
jar, some reservoir, some bucket. And she needs to go get water because she needs water for drinking or eating or, or washing. And she's trying to do her normal job. And, and Jesus is, is, has been walking around for a while, ministering and doing different things. And he sees this well from afar. In fact, it's Jacob's well. It's identified as because it's a well that, that Jacob, back in the Old Testament, that he dug, that he had, had created so he could drink from it and his children and his livestock. And, and so Jesus sees this well and he walks up to the well because he was thirsty. And he begins talking to this woman that came there. Now that was strange in itself. You know, I think I've, I've spoke to almost every single one of you. A couple of you I could remember I haven't spoke to yet today, but many of you are women. It's not strange for me to talk to a woman, and, and I don't know a lot of your guys' backgrounds or heritage. I don't know if you're Norwegian or, or if you're German. I, I don't know exactly, and, and I don't care. But in Jesus' time, when he would talk to somebody, they would not talk to Samaritans. Jews would not talk to Samaritans, let alone talk to a Samaritan woman. Well, this woman was there at the well, and Jesus said, can I have some water to her? That was crazy. No one did that. You didn't have that conversation, let alone a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. And then she responds. We're going to pick that up. Her response, verse 9 of John 4. The Samaritan woman said to him, we're in John chapter 4, verse 9. Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. You see, she, she, it, it, it doesn't make sense. It, doesn't, it, it is illogical that Jesus would say, Oh, hey, I've got water for you. I've got living water. That didn't make sense to her because he didn't have anything to go into the well. I'm sure it had a long rope on it as she ducked it under into the water and then pulled it up. He didn't have anything like that. So, so how is it he's going to get satisfied, let alone he's going to satisfy her thirst with no bucket? Picking that back up. Verse 13, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. He's referring to the water in the well. So I brought up a, a water, Fiji water. This is fancy water as far as I'm concerned. Um, got this from the Casey's over there. And this is good water. Has anyone ever had this, Fiji water? It's really, I mean, it, for whatever reason, it goes down pretty smooth. And I don't know, how, I don't know if it's from Fiji. They say it is from the islands of Fiji. Beautiful. 
okay? Good water. And I'll tell you what, there are times where I am thirsty. I'm working on the yard, or, or, or uh, I know when I was working construction and I was the laborer and carrying all the wood back and forth or throwing uh, all the stuff into the dumpster all day with no air conditioning on in the house, that got hot. And when I could stop and get a, a, a nice cold glass of water, oh, that was tremendous. That was tremendous. I love, after playing basketball, just drinking a whole thing of water. So good. But you know what I found? So we were at the Memorial Day picnic um, not too long ago, right over in Waterman. And we were playing our, our baseball game, Cubs versus White Sox. I think the Cubs won that game. I can't remember. Josh will have to remind me later. Uh, <laughs> and... and and I asked Reggie, get me some water. It was like the second, third inning. We played nine innings. And Reggie went, or, or Molly, one of the two, went and found me a, oh, a, a, a full thing of water. It wasn't Fiji water, so it didn't go down as smooth. But it was good. And I drank it in one drink, you know, one time. And, oh, so good. We were down, I think, seven at that point. But you know what? I went out and played in the field, played shortstop. And when I got back in, I was thirsty again the next inning. I couldn't get enough water. They couldn't even find water then. Uh, it was like everyone was out. And I was thirsty. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He said, if you just take stuff of this world, water... You get thirsty again. You can live 21 days without food, without any like major risks, depending on your current health. Water, three days. And on that third day, you are really, second day really, it is not good for you. You start going backwards. We need this water to survive. We have to have water, but you know what? We have to have it again in two days or three days. We have to have it again, over and over. It never stops. We keep needing it. It's just like oxygen. You need oxygen to breathe. We can't just get one, and now we're good forever. That's not the way it works. So Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give them Man, he'll never thirst again. Think of that. Think if you had that thing that you could give somebody. Now, this woman doesn't understand what he's talking about. She doesn't understand she's ta he's talking about eternal life. She believes, maybe she's thinking, man, is that Fiji water you have? That's what she's probably thinking, that it's something magical. Like he's a wizard. And that he's got something that she truly will never be thirsty again. And that would be a huge thing. Think of Ethiopia. If you can give them something where they're never thirsty again so they don't have to walk, go get all their water and come back, we take it for granted because we just go to any number of our faucets at our house. Man, that's... That's going to be awesome. So she's amazed. 
The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. Please give it to me. Verse 16. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. So now he's, he's kind of telling her, I know who you are. I know who you are. You know what? You've had five husbands. The one you're living with now isn't even your husband. You've got a lot of stuff going on in your life. A lot of stuff that you need to deal with. And I'm going to give you water that's going to help you in that process of cleansing that. In the process of, of changing those things. In verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Verse 21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ, which means anointed one. When he comes, he will tell, tell us all of these things. She's saying, I do know. I know about the great one who's coming, the Christ. And you know what? There, there are so many people here, maybe I'm saying this church, but I'm talking about this world, that know that there's a God. They know that there's a God and that there's somebody who's in control. Ah, someday, someday I'll, I'll have the truth. Someday I'll, I'll understand it. Someday uh, he will help me. Someday I'll make a decision. I'll find out who it really is. So that's what she's saying. She has knowledge of it, but listen to what Jesus says. This is one of the most remarkable verses in all of Scripture. I love this verse. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. She's talking about the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one, the Christ. He says, I'm he. I am who I am. That's powerful. That had to, had to smack her across the head because the Holy Spirit at that moment shook her life because she understood, wait a minute, living water, you knew all about who I was, and I never told you anything about it. You're going to give me eternal water that's living, and now you're telling me that you are him? Wow. And then his disciples come back, and they don't know why they're, he's talking to the woman, and, and she left. Verse 28 Get this, so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? 
And they went out of the town and were coming to him. Did you notice verse 28 there? She left, the woman left her water jar and went away. Remember that water jar, that bucket, that, that thing that was holding her water? That was her whole purpose of coming to that, that well. Yet, she was so overwhelmed by the message that Jesus told her that she left it behind. She, she forgot about it. It was as if her thirst was satisfied. It was as if her thirst was satisfied. And, and you know what? I'm sure there are things that you and I, that we need to leave behind so we can proclaim the name of Jesus. So we can proclaim the good news. There are things that we need to just set aside, to lay at the feet of Jesus so that we can boldly proclaim Jesus Christ. The question is, is do you thirst? Are you thirsty? Not for Fiji water, but are you thirsty for something that never ends? Are you thirsty for something that you don't have to dig into a well all the time for? Do as the woman did. She didn't do it verbally, but based on her actions, because many people came to know the Lord based on her actions. Just down, down in the chapter, a little bit farther. Jesus' words pierced her heart. That's our first point. She admitted to God that she was a sinner, and she repented. You see, she didn't do it in words, did she? But she did in action and in conviction. When Jesus said she knew, he knew what she was up to, and he knew her life, the Holy Spirit convicted her. It changed her ways and changed her thoughts and actions. Well, there was another story that was shared. Josh shared about a man named Nicodemus. They couldn't remember that name, could they, Josh? Nicodemus. I should have asked the kids before I said the name. It's a pretty cool name. It's found in John chapter 3, just one chapter back. And Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee during the time of Jesus, which meant that basically he's a pretty smart dude. He, he, he knew his Old Testament extremely well. He understood prophecy. He was smart. And he found Jesus during, during the night one time, and, and he began to drill Jesus with questions. We're going to pick up the story right where Nicodemus is asking his first question. It's in John chapter 3, second part of verse 2. Rabbi. He starts off with rabbi, which means teacher. Now remember, this guy's, a, this guy's brilliant. He spent his whole life preparing and studying and learning. And he comes to Jesus who has no formal training and he refers to him as teacher, as rabbi. So he has some great respect for him right away. At least he's showing great respect. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
I mean, that, that's just a weird statement. There are, I'm sure, many, many people in this world that have no idea what that phrase means, being born again. And they would respond very similar to the way Nicodemus responds. Look at Nicodemus's response, verse 4. How can a man be born when he is old? I wonder how old Nicodemus is at this time. 30, 40, 50? I don't know. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I mean, he's truly thinking physically, Jesus is saying, you must be born again from your mom. And maybe if you told people the phrase being born again, they may think that too. Jesus, he answered, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit, capital S. Verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? You see, Nicodemus has no clue that all of the scriptures that he's been learning, all the verses he's been learning have been pointing to who? Who, is, who have they been pointing to? Jesus, the Messiah, the King, the Savior. Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? He's saying, how can, you, how can someone even understand what is of the heavenly realm? What is of the godly realm if they can't even understand some of the things he says about the earth? side of things. If you don't trust me now, you're not going to trust me for eternity. Verse 13, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Here's one of the most famous verses ever. One of the verses that got me to read scripture was this particular verse, Tom read it earlier, verse 16, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. That's the second point. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Heaven sent. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God loves you so much that God loves you and you and he loves you, Zoe? God loves you so much that he sent Jesus here to live for us and to die for us. That's exactly what Jesus is teaching Nicodemus. He's saying, I'm here. And God sent me here for one purpose, to save you. He's teaching them that in order to have eternal life, 
In order to be born again, as he said earlier, you must completely believe in, in him. Completely believe in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him, believes in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is where our last letter in our outline is crucial. The C. It's crucial for you and I that we confess our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That we confess our faith. When I was 16 years old, 16 years old, at a friend's house in Newark, I learned that I was a sinner. I had no idea. I knew I made mistakes, but I didn't know that I was a sinner. When I was 16 years old, I finally believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. When I was 16 years old, I went to my room and got on my knees. And I confessed my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. You know, there's some people here that were age 7 when they did that. Some people here were age 30 when they did that. In fact, I, I attended church with a man. He was in his 70s. And he was the, the man that was at every event. He was the man that, that helped in every youth thing. And, and he would sit in a rocking chair in the nursery and hold babies. He started the tradition in, in that particular church of, of having a Ritz crackers during the nursery, which I enjoyed when I was serving in the nursery for a few years. That man served and went and served Sundays, Sunday nights, Wednesdays, most of his life. That that man had no idea who Jesus Christ was. You see, sometimes we, we get confused because we say we're good people. We say we go to church. We say that, that we go to vacation Bible school. That we serve at vacation Bible school. That, that we're nice to our friends, that we, we do kind things to our neighbors. We even buy groceries for that family that needs help down the street. You know what? All of those things are good, but they're really just like Fiji water. Because they'll be gone, they're here, and then they're gone, and there's nothing left to show for it. You see, this man in his 70s, finally bowed his knee to Jesus Christ. He gave his life to Jesus Christ about a year before he died. And now he rejoices with Jesus Christ for eternity. And that, that's the beauty of, of our love, our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the beauty of who Jesus is. That we could do all kinds of things we could be the kindest person and yet not trust and believe in Jesus Christ, or we could be the meanest person in the entire world and commit horrendous crimes. But we could learn both, both ways 
of our love and of the love and compassion and mercy that Jesus Christ has for us. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Do you? Are, 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 you, are you coming into church and just going through the motions? Or do you truly know who he is? Have you gone deeper, as we did with Vacation Bible School, go deeper to get to know his son? Maybe you want to trust Jesus today for the first time. And as Jesus told Nicodemus, you need to be born again. That could be. You can't be embarrassed about that. That 70-year-old man, he couldn't have been embarrassed about coming to Jesus because it's the Holy Spirit doing the work. I grew up on a farm, Helmer, Illinois, big farm. And, and I had three brothers, so there's four of us boys. And we played every game you could imagine that we knew of, and we made up a significant amount of games as well. Well, one game we played was the classic game of tag. Raise your hand if you've ever played the game tag. Oh, yeah. Just, I think every single hand went up there. Okay, in fact, I, I was in Florida, and we played tag in the lazy river. We weren't making it too lazy. We were diving and, and tagging people. And Tag is a beautiful game, fun game, but we took it to the next level. There was four boys. So our tag consisted of when you tag somebody, you shoved them to the ground, and many times you added a good punch to the arm just for good measure. Just wanted to make sure they understood that they were it. And then it would continue. It's a never-ending game. Well, I remember one time I was up in the barn loft, three four floors of the barn, and, and I had snuck into the, the chicken coop side where there were no chickens left anymore, and, and, but we still had the cage there, and, and I was sneaking in there, getting away from my brother Jeff, who was it. And I turned around, and he was there, and I screamed like a girl. <laughs> I got so scared, and I backed up, and I backed into the corner, and there he is, ready. I mean, he's just ready to pound me. And I finally said, I surrender. I surrender. I was like this, but I surrendered. I didn't want him to hit me. I wanted him to have mercy on me. He probably didn't. I wanted him to, to know that I wasn't going to fight anymore. I wasn't going to run anymore. Man, I was going to just take what I had coming and go to the next step. And, and you know, that's what we need to do with Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus isn't going to necessarily pound us and and tag us, say, we're it. But you know, we do need to surrender. He is the king. He's the king of kings. He is everything. And sometimes we feel like we're in a corner. But he wants to help have mercy on us and release us and, and, and give us freedom. And what we have to do is we have to say, I surrender. I surrender all to you, Jesus. I, I give you everything. And I know that I'm not going to be perfect. I know that I'm not going to do the right things. 
Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've walked from him. You said, you know what, I, I don't want to have anything to do with you right now. Or you know in your heart that you're not serving Jesus the way that he deserves. Not the way you should, the way he deserves. You could recommit your life, even today. So I'm going to pray, and if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, I encourage you to give your life to Jesus Christ. And if you want to recommit your life to Jesus Christ, I encourage you to do that too. You don't have to, to stand up and, and say, Pastor Phil, I, this is what I've done today. You don't have to write me a letter. You don't have to post it on social media. You have to, the only thing you have to do is talk to God directly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are so many people in this world that don't know you or have fallen away from you. Lord Jesus, I pray that if someone here has not committed their life to you before, that have not surrendered their life to you, that they will surrender today. That they will say, have mercy on me. You've got me. Please save me. Please help me. We are nothing without you, God. We are nothing without knowing your son, Jesus. We are so thankful for his life and his death. So thankful for his resurrection. And Lord, there's probably people here that, that have walked from you. They've committed their life to you, and, and then they've lost that commitment, that personal commitment I know you love them. Would you call them back to you right this minute? We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.